Welcome to the latest Known Pleasures Flexi Disc. Today we're going to be discussing Fade to Grey by Visage. Now, Mark, I believe you're going to be introducing this one. I am. I'm going to set the scene. Mm -hmm. The last glowing embers of the original punk movement are all but extinguished. Two members of that scene look to start something, a place for the like-minded Bowie fans to go to. One Stephen Harrington, Steve Strange later, and Peter Egan or Rusty Egan, both sort of members and movers and shakers on the original punk scene. Uh, Steve had sung with the Moors Murderers and the Photons. Rusty Egan had played drums uh, with the Rich Kids, which had Glenn Matlock and Midgeur. There he is again. Your favourite. For one. They opened up a club called Billy's in Soho, where uh, they had uh, Bowie nights. It was basically about bringing some of the glamour back and some of the fun back to the music scene because they were really interested in the dressing up part of it, the, the parts of punk that were more positive. Um, so they were looking to play music at the club. He was the DJ. Steve was on the door. The sort of thing that they wanted to have there, something looking to Europe, what they were talking about, like futurism, something more electronic. So they uh, started sort of doing a little bit of work with a few different people. Midyear was on the scene. Billy Curry was on the scene. Chris Payne, keyboard player for Gary Newman, was around. The project was to try and do an album and sell it to a record company and have this sort of 10-track thing that they could play at the club. So one of the, uh, at some point during the recording uh, of this album, they were working with Martin Rushant. Midyear decided that they needed one more song. And I think he may have even said, we need another song. <laughs> we Midyear has because, an idea. Because, he, because he'd just come back from a holiday in Ireland. So Chris Payne and, and Billy Curry have, have an idea for this uh, instrumental they've been working on uh, during Gary Newman's tour, during sound checks. Chris Payne had been working on this song since 76, 77. It was an instrumental that he'd come up with. Yeah, there's a wonderful video on YouTube where Chris Payne talks about the inspiration for the song, how he created the music, what the influences were. And there's an interesting bit where he talks about them recording the bass line and there is a very iconic bit of the song where the bass line drops out. And then I started going just... And I was like, Bill, what, what do I do? And he said, great, carry on with that, just carry on with that. And that was completely spontaneous. What I would do want to say about the song is that the interesting part of the whole Visage project was that the, it had three members of the magazine, probably my all-time favourite band, which anybody knows who listens to this podcast, <laughs> Barry Adamson on bass, John McGeoch on guitar and alto sax, and Dave Formula on keyboards. But I don't think those three played on this song. John McGeoch might have played some alto sax at the very, very end of it, but there is no real bass and... Uh, no influence of those three on there, but they are on the album. I'm still amazed that John McGeoch plays sax. Yeah, he's a very talented <laughs> he was fellow. such, such mm, a great mm. guitarist. Well, mm. he, he, he could turn his hand to many things. Mm. So we have this song, which is, I, by any measure, to me, Fade to Grey is an absolute classic of the, of the era. It came out in November 1980, mm. around the same time as your Spandau Ballets, uh, after Gary Newman, but I think this is really the beginnings of the New Romantic movement. Mm. It was a massive hit in the UK, number eight, number six in Australia. And the video, if you haven't seen it, mm. is really something to see. I think mm. it was, uh, was it a Godly and Cream video? I think it was yes, one of Yes, uh, I was amazed at that. Godly and Cream was one of their first music yeah, videos. Fantastic, from 10cc. Mm. 
the video is worth you have to kind of watch it in, you know in conjunction with how to appreciate the song because of the times I suppose mm. that's my backstory on the mm, song yeah, what yeah. do you guys how are you feeling well, about Fade to Grey well regarding the film clip Midge has said that Fade to Grey has managed to remain both my favourite and the worst video of all time <laughs> <laughs> can you do that in a Scottish accent I really better not okay. um, but and Midge also said that Steve was a brilliant front person for a band that didn't exist he has also said because I'm just I'm just going to keep on rattling off the Midge quote Mm. He said that Steve didn't have much to do with the writing of the song Fade to Grey, but Mm. he was certainly appreciative of just what an extraordinary representative he was of the song. He was the embodiment of the song. There was something so specific and spectacular about that moment in musical time and that film clip really captures it in its kind of glorious and magnificent and also slightly kind of unglamorous and a bit awkward as well. So it's got those kind of elements. But in the novel called Compulsion by the Australian author Kate Scott, she writes about a character listening to Fade to Grey and that character says, How extraordinary to be hitched to both the monumental spirit of Bowie and the physical presence of Bowie. The right machines invented just in time to express every shade and pitch of your yearning, to find people who experience the same intense longing as you in the thrall of the same machines to collectively furnish a new universe and how devastating to reach the truest, most full expression of yourself so young, this is Steve Strange, so perfectly in step with your time that you'll be out of step for the balance of your life. Mm. But I Steve hope you Str- put some commas in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have edited it cruelly, so sorry about that, Kate. But she did add, uh, but Steve Strange presided over one masterpiece. How many of us even get that? Mm. Well, so, she's right about that. Yeah, so I think that's a good Absolutely. summary. And we've mentioned this before, you know, that this was the time when a lot of synths were hitting the markets. Mm-hmm. It was just the perfect time for Visage Absolutely. To, to harness all of these great new sounds. It still sounds modern now mm. to me. I mean, fair play to Midjure. He, he's an opportunist. I've, I've said that before. <laughs> we Midjure. He knows when something's coming and he was between gigs at this point, but he really made this happen. He'd finished up playing with Thin Lizzy on their US tour and he was yet to join Ultravox. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. hear a lot of Ultravox in this album anyway. Mm. Lots of, well, they're, they're playing on it. The guys are playing on it. I do hear a lot of those influences in the, of the good Ultravox, the first three albums. And I, look, Vienna was a good album too, but that was to come later mm. for Midjure. But I tell you what, he, he knew what he was doing. He had his finger on the pulse mm. in a lot of ways, and this is a testament to his uh, his skills at that. Graham, what did you think of Fade to Grey? It's iconic, I guess. Mm. I remember when it first came out in 1980 being at uh, a band rehearsal, and I don't know who brought it, but someone brought a synth along. It was a very early monophonic synth. And, of course, the first thing we did was play the bass line to Fade to Grey on it because... <laughs> It was just big at the time. and uh, yeah, yeah, I've always thought it was a shame that Visage are now known as kind of a, a one-hit wonder band. There were a lot of really good songs on that first album. That album's great. I, I'd recommend anyone having a listen to it. As I said, you, you've got Barry Adams and Dave, Dave Formula, John McGeoch on it as well on different tracks. It's really well worth listening to. And it sounds like an Ultravox album to me mm-hmm. in lots of places. Mm-hmm. But this song is... You put it on. Apparently it still gets voted. I saw a mid-year quote. Every year or something, it still gets voted into some German chart of best dance songs of all time, oh. like 30 or 40 years. It's still getting voted <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, every yeah. year, which is incredible. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the encapsulation of the sort of music that you would think you would hear at a club called Billy's or the Blitz at that time Blitz, yeah. in musical history. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it sounds like to me. I'd, I'd still dance to it if it came up. Did I tell you that I actually met Midjour right out there? Right out there. And what did you say to him? Where are we? Oh, yes. I should explain where we are. Outside the studio doors. <laughs> We're at the radio station where I work. Uh, Midge was being interviewed here and the announcer who was interviewing him knew that I was a fan, mm. so he brought him in here to meet me. So I walked out there, shook his hand, and I didn't know what to say. Then I said, um, I didn't know that you had something to do with Visage. Now, I did know. I was lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But I didn't know what else to say. And he looked at me rather indignantly and said (laughs) it was basically all him. Right. um, That sounds like something Midge would say. (laughs) (laughs) Midge, you were the perfect gentleman. He's he's there. He's always there. (laughs) He's always got his ear at the door. He's a good man. He's a good man. I love Midge and I love Ultravox. And you just watch yourself. I love Visage. (laughs) I love Finn Lizzie. I love the rich kids. I love everything. Everything that he's done. Um. All right, so can we... Um, and do they know it's Christmas? And do, not so much. What do, we, what do we sum up Visage's fade to grey in, in what way? Right? Uh, in one word? You can try it in one word. Genius. Patty? I just... The song sounds like a heartbeat to me because of the bass line, so I'd probably say pulsing. I'm going to go futurism. Futurism. 